Good morning. Thank you for joining us this um, Sunday morning and happy Father's Day to all our dads. Um, hope it's a great day for you. Uh, Tate, just so you know, last week um, we shared about, um, last sermon, we shared about the starting of the Philippian church and we're going through this new sermon series called Living Apart, Gospel Promises that um, social distance can not steal. And last week we talked about how um, the, the church um, started in, that, that started in Philippi and how Paul exemplified for us how when in troubling times that prayer ought to be our, uh, our first response because um, it is the most powerful protest we can make to the one that is God, that can enact real change. Today, we wanna, we'll be looking at Philippians 1, as um, we've read. Um, we want look to look at how um, partnership in the gospel positions us to participate in, 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 the, in, in the mission of God to the world. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church. And as you see, one of the things he's acknowledging right off the bat in verse three, he's acknowledging this fellowship, this partnership that they have together in the gospel. What's interesting about this is that Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's writing in jail, yet at the same time, he's able to, to write uh, exuberantly despite being in this unfortunate predicament, we find him overjoyed. We find him encouraged um, regarding the, the common affection he has with um, the church in Philippi, which is amazing to see because when you find yourself in prison it, or you find yourself in a really difficult time or season, um, you would not think that someone would be that, would be that um, joyful or that exuberant. But we see here that because of the common affection, because of the fellowship he shared with this church, this common bond with this church, he's encouraged. He's excited. He is overjoyed. One of the things um, to just to note about Philippi, the city of Philippi, is that it was um, a Macedonian city conquered by uh, the uh, by the Romans, um, and it's a, it was a colony that was vibrant with diversity. Um, folks from different parts of the world were converged at this town, this town of ten thousand people. And but but what's really remarkable about this is that this was the first city that first city that a church is planted by Paul um, in Europe. Before that, it was usually a, a, in a town that was um, filled with the Jewish diaspora. But here we find Paul plants this church in Philippi in a place that was really diverse, um, uh, filled with immigrants from around the world. And it reminded me, really, just even how we started our church here in Jersey City. Jersey City is said to be one or the second, or the first or the second um, most diverse city in the country. 
and planting this church over three years about about three years ago you know diff, again a diverse group of us coming together to start this church um, trying to get it off the ground but one of the things that I realized as we were starting the church is that I cannot do this on my own that we had to do it together as a team to ensure that this church was off the ground now this is why it's important for us to really know that the, the church of God really is about partnership. It's not about the, 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 the um, celebrity status of one pastor. It's not about the, the clergy or the, the staff, but it's about us coming together to propagate the mission of God in our world. So partnership in the gospel is really this selfless participation in the mission of God for the proclamation of his kingdom and reign in the world. We proclaim his kingdom come in word and in deed, and we do this together. So that means we're not just a church on a mission. We're not just a church that has our mission statement uh, written out. We are, we, we, we are a church captivated by the mission of God. The mission of God is what has us captivated, and we are fulfilling that mission. We are joining God in his mission to bring salvation, justice, and renewal to our world. Paul writes, when he starts this letter, he writes in verse one. Um, and one of the things that, that what he writes there is uh, he writes this. He says to all God's people, God's holy people in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. What Again, what is I think what he's signifying for us, what he's um noting for us is that the partnership, the partnership of the church in the gospel, is only possible in Christ Jesus. He's acknowledging that it's through Christ that there is this common bond. Through Christ there, that there is this uh, uh, connection. He himself, Christ Jesus, is the reason that they are uh, in partnership. Think of um, um, the friends that you have or the acquaintances that you might have. Um, one of the things that, that have drawn you together, what are the, you know, the common bonds, the, 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 the commonalities that you have together? For some of you, it's because of your job. Your job has brought you guys together because of your work. Maybe it's because of your neighborhood and your neighbor. Um, it could be because of a hobby, you like running, and you found these running mates, and you guys run together, and you know, running, that thing is your, 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 the thing that brings you together, is the common bond that you have together. Or maybe it's because of marriage. So you are friends, acquaintances, you're, I mean, you're, rel you're in relation to your in-laws because of marriage, whether you like it or not, right? You can't help that. Um, the, those, those things are kind of like, they're the unifying factor for why you are together. 
I mean, the same can be said, said here as well, that Christ is the unifying factor that brings us together. Christ is the common bond that has brought us together for the very purpose of God's mission and God's renewal in our world. Yet at the same time, I can't help but to think of the, the spite, the commonality we have through Christ Jesus. There are also differences that we have because we, you know, we, we come from different backgrounds, come from different cities, uh, and we, we've come and we make up the body of the church, just like Philippi, you know, different immigrants, different people making up the church in Philippi. The same here with, with us as well. But yet these differences can often make it difficult for us to work together, to move together, to worship together. And that's why church sometimes is so hard. It could be it's easier to be a, a social club or a corporation. Um, it's easy to, to have uh, the common task of going to work, but coming to church, bringing all, all of our different ideas, different talents, different gifts, it can be very messy. Bringing our different perspectives and ideas and desires. Church can be a very messy place. It's why some of your, so many of us have been hurt. You know, we've left churches because yeah, we're all different people, different backgrounds coming together and trying to make it work. But, you know, I think one of the, the, the reasons why, um, um, one of the core reasons why church can be difficult and messy, it's, it's because of our egos. I think we can all attest to this because so much of our egos get in the way of our relationships. They get in, way, in the way of, uh, um, of, of Christ-centered partnerships. Because usually when we come with our egos, it's usually my way, my desires, my own self-interest, or no way at all. It's my way or I'm leaving. This is not going to work. And this is only exacerbated by the hyper-individualism of our society. The individualistic culture that, we have, that, that has come to make up the American society. I mean, it's, it's so sad that even wearing a mask is frowned, on, frowned down upon because it's an infringement on, on personal rights, on individual rights. What kind of ridiculousness is that? A mask. That's how individualistic we are. Because more often than not, we're looking to be served more than we are to serve others. More often than not, we're, we're looking to uphold our own cultural values and not have them challenged by the gospel. More often than not, we want other people to look like us rather than all of us looking more like Jesus. Our ego gets in the way of partnership. Uh, Abraham Herschel says this, he says, the power and the drive of the ego penetrates all our attitudes and decisions. We may assume that we love God while in truth, it is our ego we care for. 
or we can put it another way, we may assume that we love each other while in truth is the ego we care for. Anyone capable of self-examination knows that the regard for the self is, is present in every cell of our brain, that it is extremely hard to disentangle oneself from the intricate plexus of self, selfish interests. This is why partnership in the gospel is difficult, is hard, because our ego gets in, our, in, in, in the way. But here's, the, here's the, the truth of the matter. While Christ is our unifying factor, while he is the one that uh, we have in common, he's the one that has kind of brought us together, I would say he's more than that. He's more than, than our unifying factor. He's more than what we have in common. He's actually the force through which we are bound together. He is the transforming force through which we are bound together. The reality is, is we're only as bound together in partnership as much as we are transformed in him. The more we are transformed in him, the more we are transformed in Christ, the more we can be bound together in partnership. And this is really what I think Paul is talking about in verse 6 in his prayer, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning that Christ is at work in us. Christ is at work in our hearts. The question, though, is are we willing to die to ourselves? Are we willing to die to our ego and let Christ transform our hearts? Are we willing to die to the selfish desires, our selfish ambitions, and let Christ do the transforming work in us? Our coming together is made possible by the transforming work of Christ in each and every one of us. As one author puts it, he says, the gospel decenters the ego and clears the way not only for far deeper and more transparent relationships between Christians, but also for humble servant relationships with people who do not share our beliefs. That Christ's transforming work in us is not only beneficial for our coming together as brothers and sisters, partnering in the gospel, but it's also beneficial for us even as we are in our neighborhoods, in our workforces, wherever we go, it humbles us, it gives us the heart to learn and work with people around us. The power of Christ at work in us, bringing us together 
enables us also now to share in the diversity of our gifts and the talents and, the, and, and, and all that we can bring to the table for the purpose of God's mission. And, then, and that's why Paul says in verse 7, whether I'm in chains, whether I'm going through a hard time, whether I'm going through a difficult time, or whether I'm defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. He's talking like in whatever circumstance he finds himself in, he's able to share in God's grace with them. That's why even in this very moment, as we find um, uh, many of us, many people around the world really are becoming more aware of the racial injustices of our society, that now we can actually come and share in the pain and the hurts that, that, that folks have been experiencing for so many years. Having Christ work in our hearts and then partnering together in the gospel enables us now to really go deep and share in each other's uh, pain and suffering and hurts. But also, it enables, as Paul says, as he's defending and confirming the gospel, it enables us as well to be the proclaimers of the gospel to our neighborhoods, to our friends, to, our, to wherever we may go. That as we are partnering as the church body coming together, that we can actually be the church wherever we go. That we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. That we don't have to be ashamed to share about the love of Jesus Christ to our friends. Why? Because we are doing this together. Because Christ is at work in us. So it's possible for us to do it. Especially in this very difficult time that we can actually be, be open to, to let friends and neighbors know um, the one we worship, the one you worship. And lastly, as we close, I love how Paul ends this um, section here for us in, um, in verse, verse 9. And this was his prayer for, for the church. This was his prayer knowing that they were partners together in the mission of God to the world. He said, this, this is what he says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. And the question that you might have is how can how should we do this? How can we partner together? What does that look like? Well, it's, it's that our, it's love. It's our love may abound is meaning that our love might be deep, maybe deep, 
that we ought to love deeply. That our love for each other should not just be this shallow, you know, high goodbye, but it's deep love that comes through Christ Jesus. But also that our love is sincere. Not, um, not, not a performance, not sentimental or gushy with feel, but sincere and genuine. That through Christ Jesus, we can look at each other and be, and, and not only have empathy and, 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 and care and concern, but deep, sincere love. And lastly, that we love lavishly. That our love for each other is not just, uh, it's not just deep or sincere and just, you know, here and there, but it's lavish, lavished, it's big, it's loud. That, uh, that, that it, it, it's, it's loud for all, um, all others around us to see. And this is one of my favorite verses, Matthew 5, 16. Let your life so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise God in heaven. That your light and your love is so loud, is so radiant, so vibrant that the world can see it. And they praise God in heaven. And this we can all do knowing, again, that it's through Christ Jesus, as Paul said. That in Christ Jesus, we are actually able to love because he has loved us. He's loved us deeply. He's loved us sincerely and he's loved us lavishly. He's loved us so much that he's entered into our world and he, is he, he, he died for our sins. And, and he's now seated with, with, with the Father in heaven after being resurrected. That his, in his love, in his deep, sincere, lavished love for us that we can experience that love and that we can now give that love to each other as well. So my prayer for us is that we receive continually the love that Jesus has for us even now, even in this very time that you might be feeling uh, overwhelmed and, and uh, filled with distress, that you can receive the love that Jesus has for you and in return, love one another with the love that he has given us. May this be so for us in Jesus' name. Amen.